Hello and welcome to 20 Minute Marketing. Thanks for listening and I hope you're having a great day. We are now on episode 29 of the show and today's guest is James Mulvaney. And I've enjoyed watching how his new service, Matchmaker.fm, has grown into one of the biggest podcasting sites available over the last few months. So before I introduce James, just a quick reminder that we are still recording from home. So please excuse us if you do hear the occasional background noise. I have discovered that there's a bird's nest right outside my room um, that my recording setup is in. Hopefully they are quiet today and we don't have any distractions. So let's get started with the episode. Hi James, how's it going? I'm very good, thank you, Liam. How's it going? Yeah, I'm good, thanks for asking. Could you tell us about yourself and Matchmaker FM just to start the episode? Yeah, so my name's James Mulvaney. I'm founder of podcast.co, which is a podcast hosting and distribution platform. From that, that's a startup which we launched probably about a year ago. We then sort of spawned a a, a child, which is known as matchmaker.fm, and it's a completely separate service. And it's really designed to connect podcasters and guests. And we're about three months in now. We've just hit 3,000 users and it's doing really well. We're getting lots and lots of positive feedback from from people who are using the platform. So it's a really exciting uh, place to be right now. And the fun thing about this episode is that I'm using Matchmaker myself. So I can sort of talk about the benefits of it from a user standpoint. So when James is talking about how the platform has grown and the things that you've done to make it successful, I'll be able to add some of the benefits from a user standpoint too that might be able to help listeners out. Just before we move on to that conversation, I think that's something that is really cool and interesting that you've been doing over the last few months, which is worth mentioning before we start, is something called Working Lunch, which is a series that you've been doing on LinkedIn. So could you tell us about that for a minute or two just before we get started? So the back end of last year, I started looking into how to do live streaming on LinkedIn and discovered it was kind of by invitation or um, you know, application only basis. Uh, E.g. it's still in beta, it's not been enabled for everyone, but I saw more and more people doing these live streams and I thought that's been, been an interesting thing to do. So I put my application in, I kind of sent a few messages to people and really heard nothing back. And it was kind of like probably two or three months, I think it was early February, when finally I managed to get this enabled after kind of reaching out to quite a few people and you know it's one of these things that's kind of a, it's a bit shrouded in mystery almost uh, but yeah finally got this LinkedIn live enabled so I can do a live video stream on LinkedIn and I thought well I've got to do something with it now and I hadn't really thought about actually what I was going to do with it so when the opportunity arose I was like okay I need to put something together quickly I don't really have time to plan it so I came up with this concept of working lunch a lot of people are on LinkedIn at lunchtime anyway because it's kind of just a way of seeing what's going on in the business world, trying to learn some stuff and also just procrastinating. Uh, so I thought, you know, it's got to be sort of food for thought kind of content that we're going to be doing once every single week. And uh, I thought, okay, well, I'll maybe do it for a month or two and see how it goes. And we're still going. I don't think I've missed a single week so far, which has been great. The concept is really straightforward. It's about growing your audience, growing your business or growing your team somehow. So it's kind of quite broad topics we covered. We've had everyone on from uh, business psychologists through to uh, LinkedIn experts, through to sort of lots of marketing and sales types as well. Each conversation's unique. Each conversation I've had a great amount of uh, enjoyment sort of having and conducting. And really, I just try and let the guest lead the way. I ask them to bring three strategies or kind of concepts for discussion to the table each week. And those episodes have been really interesting so far. So for anyone that isn't necessarily interested in the podcast inside of this episode, 
but is interested in the sort of social aspects of it and growing your business through LinkedIn and, and growing your subscription numbers, then feel free to check out James on LinkedIn and you can watch some of those Working Lunch episodes back on demand. We're going to focus our attention on Matchmaker now, so stay tuned and we'll get started. Matchmaker has gone from having zero subscribers to now over 3,000 in just a few short months. So could you talk us through your growth strategy and how you've achieved that? The main problem we had when we launched Matchmaker, and we were very aware of this, is no one wants to be signing up to something that looks like a ghost town. You know, the whole point of Matchmaker is it's connecting people together. It's connecting podcasters with sort of industry experts and guests. But the guests aren't going to sign up if there's not very many podcasts on there. And the podcasts aren't going to sign up if there's not many, many guests on there. So we kind of decided to begin with, we wanted to launch this as a kind of closed application. So you can't see who's on there. You can't see the podcasts that are on there without first signing up. We then started with our existing customer base because obviously, you know, when you're doing anything in business, it's easier to sell or to convince people who are already on board with you in one way or another. You know, if you're launching a new product, sell it to your existing customer base uh, or, or, or get them to, to engage with it and um, we're lucky with podcast.co you know we've already got a few a uh, couple of thousand podcasts on our platform uh, so quite a few customers on there who are really engaged so to begin with we kind of started with that we'd actually validated the idea before launch as well so we had a couple of pages on the podcast.co site which basically said Look, do you want to be a guest on more podcasts fill out this form and vice versa uh, so we kind of had those marketing lists as well that we could target say, look, we've launched this new service. Do you want to sign up? That was kind of the, the, the groundwork we did to make sure that, you know, it wasn't going to just be a ghost town for like the first couple of months. And you see so many products. I guess it's a sort of type of social network. You know, we've built it as the Tinder for podcasters. Uh, so it's kind of like halfway between sort of like a social network slash dating app. But it's filling a gap in the market that, you know, every single podcaster who has guests on is constantly trying to find new guests. So we thought, Leon, let's create this. And as I say, first couple of months did really well. We started with our existing customer base and then the next sort of phase was using LinkedIn to kind of grow our leads and, and try and onboard as many people as we could. I'm glad you mentioned the slogan that you used, which is Tinder for podcasters. And I remember seeing that line on your site. And as soon as I read it, I instantly understood what it was that you were offering and what I would get from the service when I signed up and logged in. So we're going to be touching on language that you've used in a little bit. But before that, I just want to focus on LinkedIn since you've just mentioned it. So LinkedIn is a topic I like talking about because I think there is still a bit of a knowledge gap when it comes to selling on the platform. So how have you been using LinkedIn to target users that weren't already signed up to Matchmaker? LinkedIn is really powerful, I think, at the moment. And more and more people are catching on to this. So the opportunity isn't perhaps as effective as it was six months ago, because I think there's lots and lots of people who are using LinkedIn now as a sales and marketing tool. I think for many years, people really neglected it and maybe didn't, didn't see how much potential there was on the platform. They kind of just saw it as well. It's a bit like Facebook for, for business people. But actually, the good thing about LinkedIn is people really engage with your messages. So if you send out emails, you know, a lot of people just ignore them or they'll, they'll look past your email. They don't even see it half the time because everyone's inbox is still full of so much clutter. But with LinkedIn, I still think there's, you know, good opportunity. You have ability to actually get eyeballs reading your messages, even if they're kind of fairly cold approaches. So what we did with Matchmaker was, you know, collectively uh, myself and the team started uh, singling out demographics that we wanted to target. So we started for in terms of the guests, we were looking at things like public speakers, 
uh, you know, startup founders, entrepreneurs, people in business, people in marketing, uh, and also on the other side of things, anyone who says, you know, in their part of their profile, perhaps the keyword was like podcast host or, um, you know, podcaster. So we were kind of singling out using the search tools, individuals who we thought would benefit and, and, and see value in our platform. And then really the next step is to just craft a good message that will get them on board with the idea and, and actually kind of get their interest. Because, you know, as I mentioned before, we know people are looking at these messages. So you just need to make sure that the message you're sending, that first message is really doing a good job to get them that person to convert. And when you said that you were searching for people that fitted a specific criteria, was that via LinkedIn Sales Navigator or were you manually searching using the search bar or hashtags to locate potential customers? Yeah, so we were just mainly using um, you know, LinkedIn premium profiles so you have a bit more flexibility in terms of numbers of messages you can send and connections you can add, et cetera. Uh, but it was basically, I have not actually had much experience with Sales Navigator, so it was just using the standard search features. The main thing to do is when you're searching, you need to be looking at people you're not already connected with because by default, it shows you people you're already connected with at the top of the list. So to sort of broaden your search, there's a little drop down where you can select second and third degree connections and also refining by things like location as well, which allows you to kind of um, broaden your search because from what I gather and like what I've seen is when you search for something, let's say I'm searching for a keynote speaker, it will sort of show people generally who are closer to you in terms of your network. So first degree connections will come up first. And then it will be people who are like nearer to you as well. So if you if we want to try and onboard people, say in Australia, you have to make those kind of filters. Um, but but it allows you to kind of reach a, a good number of people. Again, we've been using LinkedIn automation tools. So there's a service called Octopus CRM, which mainly we've been using. I know there's a bunch of the different ones out there. We've used Duck Soup in the past as well. But it basically just allows you to kind of treat it like a marketing campaign and connect with people and message people in bulk. There are certain limits, so you can't go completely crazy. You have to make sure that you're kind of doing it on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, again, making sure that the sort of people you're targeting are relevant. But I found it to be, you know, incredibly effective. And basically, we haven't spent any money on this apart from the cost of a few LinkedIn premium subscriptions. And just really quick, the services that you mentioned, they do allow businesses to target potential clients across a number of weeks um, via direct message or email. So you can actually design a thorough campaign that follows an automated structure. So there are some great tools that businesses can use and adopt on LinkedIn to sort of really dial down on their sales process and target people in an effective way. Just now turning our attention to the messages that you've been sending out, what have you been including in them in terms of the language and the wording to try and encourage users to sign up? Okay, uh, so to answer your question, we are building a community of high profile podcasts, industry experts and guests. That's kind of like the opening line. So first of all, the term we're building a community immediately doesn't sound salesy. It's not like we're trying to sort of sell you something. So I think it it makes it more approachable. I think high profile podcasts, industry experts and guests, again, that kind of terminology we're sort of pandering to people's egos a little bit so it's deliberately thought out so they're thinking oh wow i'm a high profile podcast you know so immediately kind of get their attention with that opening uh the next sort of phrase was you can create your profile and simply start reaching out to podcasts that you think are relevant podcasters are also browsing so they may reach out to you so again we're kind of just giving a summary of how the system works they kind of have a bit more information next up it's currently 100 free to join and use with no limits so you know again I'm not selling you anything here. It's kind of free to use. But then I do go on to say, we will introduce a premium tier in future. 
and as we build more functionality and introduce our recommendation engine, but there will always be a free option. So it's kind of, yes, it's currently free, but you know, because ultimately sometimes I think these days when you say it's free, people are like, where's the catch? So this is kind of collapsing that concern that, you know, there might be a catch. Of course, it's going to be, it's going to be a premium tier. We're a business ultimately, but we plan on always keeping a free option as well. So, you know, that's it basically. And, and, and there's a couple of different variations of messages we've used. This is just one I've got in front of me here. Again, we've been testing different messages and kind of looking at the response rates, you know, to try and kind of uh, refine it, I guess, and, and, and have it, you know, have an effective message. But ultimately, that's kind of a little bit of a breakdown of one of the messages we've been using. Yeah, thanks for sharing that with us. I know some people are hesitant to sort of share their secrets and the messaging. So I'm glad you could give us a bit of an insight. And what I liked about the message and, and the structure of it is that it's very clear and concise. So you have your call to action, very visible to see people read that message. They know exactly what they're going to get. You don't list feature A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You go straight into it and to the point. And I think that's all it needs to be, just a clear and concise direct message. Yeah, it's a call to action. The other thing we've been doing is using tracking links as well. So we can actually measure the effectiveness of these campaigns so we can see you know, rather than just saying, here's our website URL, which is what we did to start off with. We have, you know, uh, join.matchmaker.fm forward slash something we specify. And we're using a service called Switchy, which is basically like Bitly. Uh, you know, it can track links. You can also um, pixel people. So you can have Facebook pixels, et cetera. Uh, so you can use retargeting further down the line, but good, good little service. And it's been great to actually see that, you know, these messages are working. Again, it's nice that you've shared a tool with us that you use. So thank you for letting us know about um, that link shortening tool that you use. I've been using Bitly for some uh, short linking myself, so I'll definitely go and check that out. My reservation with Bitly is when people see Bitly links, especially in these kind of messages, they immediately think it looks like it's kind of potentially a spam or, um, you know, it's just a marketing message. The good thing about Switchy is you can specify your own URL so you can make it look more natural, like join.matchmaker.fm. Again, it doesn't sound like a kind of tracking link. It just sounds like that's just a URL, you know? So before we talk about some of the benefits of podcasting to finish the episode, I'm just going to give you a quick summary of my own experience on Matchmaker, just so that you can sort of visualize it from a user standpoint. So I signed up quite early on to use the service. I think it was around mid-February, late February and I've been checking it out on a weekly basis ever since then, really. And what I like about it is that when you are searching, you can click on user profiles to determine whether they would be suitable for your show. And there's a search criteria, so you can filter users based on the category of interest. So in my case, I would be searching for marketers, business owners or entrepreneurs or any other categories that might have a bit of an overlap with marketing. And each person has a unique profile with links to their social channels, so their personal site or personal blog, perhaps, their company site or their social media channels, such as LinkedIn. And then I can check them out, determine whether they'd be a good fit for the show, in my opinion, and then send them a direct message to say, hey, I think you'd be a good fit for my show. Uh, let's have a conversation about it. And then on the flip side, guests can do the exact same. So they can see the profile for 20 Minute Marketing. They can view our previous episodes. They'll send me a message if they think that they could be a good fit for the show as well. The great thing about it is that everyone who has messaged me so far has been relevant. I think we're close to double digits now in terms of episodes that have come directly from Matchmaker. So yeah, I definitely recommend it to anyone who either has a podcast that is looking for guests or would like to get involved and get on some existing podcasts. So let's, yeah, let's talk about podcasting overall now for businesses. What are some of the 
benefits to businesses of um, launching a podcast that might not jump out at you straight away? Yeah, sure. So I think if you're particularly trying to grow your personal brand, and it's a big thing at the moment, lots and lots of people are getting into it. Appearing on podcasts is a really easy way to kind of quickly accelerate that process and expose yourself to other people's audiences that probably otherwise wouldn't have been aware of you. And I'm, is I'm out barking on what's known as a podcast tour, which is basically when you say, I'm going to set myself a goal of appearing on X number of podcasts within you know these different categories so my focus is for example business and entrepreneurs uh, sort of marketing pr and sales and then a pr a sort of personal development and um you know uh, personal growth that kind of thing personal branding so i'm kind of singling out podcasts in those three different areas and trying to have as many conversations as i can within the space of 30 days so i'm going to try and do 30 podcasts within 30 days it's quite ambitious i'm not going to lie <laughs> but um, you know, you could quite easily say do ten podcasts, and if you think about it, if if, if each one of those podcasts has got an audience of say five to ten thousand people, you know, you could potentially easily expose yourself to an extra hundred thousand people who didn't previously know about you in a very short space of time. So I think that's the power for uh, people who are in sort of business and marketing. In terms of how you can use it as a business, there's three different ways really that podcasts can be used. If you're going to launch your own podcast as a brand, I think the first is you know, uh, to, to attract new leads and, and drive sales. The second is to engage with your existing customers. And the third, which is good for much larger companies, is to actually engage with stakeholders and employees. And the great thing about podcasts for your personal brand is that whether you're a host of your own podcast or you've been a guest on another show, is that episodes should stay active forever. So you can use that Firstly, for your CV, you can secondly use it to impress potential clients. And thirdly, if you are maybe trying to do some guest blogging or some guest content work, you can say, hey, I've actually talked about this topic in depth on a recent podcast episode. Um, Feel free to check it out. And that provides you with a unique way of standing out from from other people who don't have audio content to share. Yeah, I think, um, you know, like you say, it's a good thing if if people Google your name. I know... uh, we're all sort of guilty of doing it sometimes googling our own names but you know there's kind of all this content that comes up on different people's site it positions you so well you know okay fair enough you might have your own website uh, your own blog or kind of like an online cv or whatever or your linkedin profile comes up but i think people can listen to you talking about areas of expertise that you have you know that's so much better than a cv absolutely and sometimes I will be looking for potential guests on the show, or maybe I just want to do some background research on someone, for example. And when I type their name into Google, if there's a, if there's a podcast or a Q&A article in the search results, then I'll be much more inclined to, to view that instead of visiting their LinkedIn profile or perhaps the company website that has about us and our employees, because it allows them to showcase their personality and and who they are a little bit better than what you can do when you're just writing down words. Yeah, totally. Completely agree with you. So just to finish off this main section, do you have any quick fire tips for businesses or perhaps just independent podcasters that are really looking to promote their show and um, gain a bigger audience? First of all, you want to make sure your podcast is basically listed as many places as possible. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google, et cetera, et cetera. There's tons and tons of directories and lots of places that people listen to their podcasts. You need to make sure you're on all of those platforms. At podcast.co, we make that super simple, by the way. But also, don't treat your podcast as a single piece of content. You can repurpose it in so many different ways. So you can transcribe it, turn it into text, and use it as a blog post. Or you can pull out quotes and post them on Twitter or Facebook. 
you can if you record your podcast as a video which i think again is a really good idea um you know take out little clips from it and and post them on social media because ultimately it helps with discoverability it allows people to find your podcast and um it just kind of creates a more kind of unified cross-channel campaign so that's the other thing also when a new episode is released make sure you're telling your existing audience about it if you're a company and you've got a mailing list you know make sure you put it in your monthly newsletter or you know update your blog when there's a new episode out so it's just basic stuff like that that kind of helps that momentum start kind of going i think if you just upload it to the platforms that's a great place to start but it doesn't always yield a huge amount of results from the get-go the other thing as well is just stick at it. A lot of people who start podcasting give up too quickly because they don't see, you know, they're starting from nothing. They don't see results overnight. So you've got to kind of give it, I'd say six months to a year before you really start sort of seeing, reaping the rewards and seeing benefit, especially as a business. And again, think about how you're going to track your ROI. Like if you're a business and you're investing into spending money on to actually creating the podcast, or whether that's a value or you're just putting team time towards it, uh, you need to make sure that you're actually getting some results. So have a look at your download counts. You know, use things like um, custom URLs or tracking links so you can see if you've got a CTA at the end of your podcast asking people to sign up, how many people are being driven to your app or product from that podcast. There's tons of stuff you can do to track ROI, but those are a few sort of basic tips. Yeah, I think that's a great way to end this main section. Moving away from podcasts now, if you stay tuned with us, we'll finish off the episode with a few fun and lighthearted questions that just focus on James's career. We're going to be closing out the episode with a few fun questions. My favourite question that I love asking guests at the end of every episode is, do you have any fun or interesting stories that might have happened in the early parts of your career that you could share with us. So I'm going to ask that to James. We've had some really great ones over the last few episodes, so no pressure. Um, I'm sure you'll have a great one to share with us though. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so when I first started business, I started in business when I was really young. I was like 16, 17. I went off to university, uh, moved away from home. And when I was started in university, they had a business incubation scheme, which is kind of like a co-working space. And I was in a sort of shared office with probably like six other companies in this sort of big office. And I was only 18 at the time. So I was still kind of quite immature and used to mess around a lot. We had video cameras and we used to do all these funny little skits. It was kind of like we'd, we'd just be constantly recording these silly things. I'd love to find the tapes now because it'd be great. And I specifically remember one of these things we watched. There was like this dodgy old bookcase that was sort of falling apart. So we decided to load it. We knew it was falling apart. We loaded it up with loads of stuff, all like old monitors and on top of it and everything. Um, we were filming it like we were just pretending to casually move it. And this whole thing kind of collapsed and everything came crashing down. Put it up on YouTube, forgot about it. And probably about five years later in like 2011, we got approached by this production company saying, guys, do you mind if we use this? We were, we're doing like a You've Been Framed style show, like DIY Disasters. So can we put this out on TV? And we actually got paid, I think, 200 quid for it, which was brilliant. So that's a kind of a funny story from, from when I got started. But, you know, back then, uh, when you're starting out collaborating and being around that people who are in the same sort of shoes as you, that's really valuable, I think. We used to have a lot of fun as well. Yeah, that's a really fun story. And it's nice that you had a video that you completely forgot about. And then a few years down the line, you managed to get some money for it. So I'm sure that was nice. You finished your answer with a really interesting point that sort of leads on to my next question. So do you have any tips for people that are just starting out? And maybe in particular, people that are young since you started at such a young age? Procrastination is sometimes the devil. So you've got to just get on with it. 
there's a lot of people who are thinking about starting a business and they'll like read up on how to start, but they won't actually start doing something. So definitely just start getting on with it as soon as you can and trying different ideas. And also you've got to sometimes stick at stuff. It's very easy. And I used to make this mistake in the early days as an entrepreneur where I'd been registering domain names left, right and center. I'd have like a new business idea every week. But as a result, I didn't always focus on the core business that I had, which was actually making money. So I think sometimes you've got to really hone in and focus on what is working rather than looking at all the shiny bells and whistles and trying to come up with the next big thing. Sometimes it's kind of, it might not be as exciting, but actually just getting down and getting on with something that you know is already working is, is really important. And I think that also goes well for podcasting too. Whether you're trying to be a guest or launching your own show, if you're not quite sure and you're a bit nervous, just get started and go for it. I know that before our first episode, I was nervous as hell. And until you get that first one out of the way, you'll never know whether you like it or not. And the great thing about podcasting is that you can edit and re-record until you have a final version that you're happy with. Yeah, completely agree, Liam. And uh, thanks very much for having me today. Interestingly, this has been one of the most laid back recordings that I've done. You're kind of big, obviously, just on editing and making it kind of polished in the, in, in the post. Lots of podcasts that I appear on, you know, it has to be kind of perfect from the, the, the get go. And I think the host tries to sort of do this big polished performance. And as a guest, you're a bit like, ah, it needs to be perfect. So I agree, just get started and don't worry about making it perfect because editing can work wonders. It's always nice to get a compliment, so that's a nice way to end the show. As we've mentioned a few times, if you are interested in podcasts, then please visit matchmaker.fm. I'm sure you'll be able to find a lot of value from the site. There's no long-term commitment or cost. It's a very user-friendly site, so I'm sure you'll find your way around it. And if you have any further questions on how to get set up or anything, feel free to add James on LinkedIn, and I'm sure he'll be able to assist you. And yeah, thanks for being a great guest, James. Thank you very much for having me, Liam. Not a problem. Thanks for listening to the episode, everyone, and I'm sure that there'll be a new one coming very soon.